Well, good morning, good morning. It's a beautiful, overcast Hawaiian day. The heat is being shielded. Praise God for that, right? <laughs> Getting a little relief. Um, well, hey, aloha, welcome. My name is Stephen, and it's so great to have you here for the beginning of our new series. It's all about ohana. It's all about ohana, right? Especially here in Hawaii, we like to celebrate family. You notice that how sometimes you'll see in a car, especially some of the nicer ones, you'll say, It'll be a bumper sticker that reads, it's all about me, right? Well, in Hawaii, here we value family, and uh, we want to celebrate that. So today is Family Appreciation Day. So let's give families a round of applause. Families are so important. Uh, they're the centerpiece of our culture, society. And if it weren't for the family unit, it would be chaos. So um, we've seemed to get gotten away from that a little bit. So that's why I would like to talk about what God has to say about family, and uh, how, I want to ask, uh, see a raise of hands, how many of you would like to see your homes and your families blessed, amen? Okay, double, double right here, hands for me. If you're not raising your hand, does that mean you want your families or home cursed? No, no, I don't, that's not what you're saying. You want it blessed. You want it blessed. So we're going to talk about that today, but more than often, more than often, we wouldn't use the word blessed for the family situation that we see in society today. Would you agree? I mean, uh, think about it. More than often we say that families are struggling, right? We, we, we talk about that. You hear about the neighbors talking about the next door neighbors and saying, oh, well, their marriage, yeah, their marriage is struggling. It seems to be in the, in the rocks. It's not what it could be. Or Maybe you hear a family say, we're well, raising these kids was not what I thought it would be. It's more difficult. I got my teenage daughter on drugs right now or, you know, has a new boyfriend. And it's like, it's not what you thought it would be. Or maybe you hear a family uh, that says, hey, we're struggling financially. We're living paycheck to paycheck. And it's, it's tough. It's a struggle. And admittedly, there are a lot more temptations for the family unit today than were in the past. So maybe 50 years ago, there were not nearly as many, for example, blended families, blended families. So you have his kids and her kids and their kids and the ex's kids, and now it's a little more complicated. Not to even mention single moms who have to really struggle to provide an income. It's really tough with just one income to make a, a, a decent living here, especially in Hawaii where food's expensive, gas is, everything's more expensive. And it, it's a struggle. So we see an, a record number of single parents today. Uh, you, you even think about just disciplining your kids. Uh, it, it's difficult, right? So what do we do? Do we spank? Do we ground? What, what can we take away from them? It's not working. They're talking back. They're being disrespectful. And it, the family, it, it is complicated. It's complicated. It really is. It can be overwhelming at times. And, and for me, you know, growing up, my, my family experience was complicated. Um, but I would have to admit that if anybody was the drama queen in the, my family growing up, I'll take, I'll take responsibility for that. But it was complicated. Um, and we're going to talk about what God has to say about family. So if you could do me a favor, we're going to all pray. We're going to ask God to open up our hearts that we can receive what he has for us this morning. Amen? God, let's bow our heads. God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this new series where we talk about the value of family and how important it is, Lord. And sometimes it's really difficult because even some of us have wounds when it comes to family. 
we, we have um, uh, broken hearts or maybe even scars that are left because the family was not what it should be. It, even the idea of who you are as a father, because of some maybe our fathers have uh, let us down, we often put that on you, Lord, that you're distant or you're angry or you're not caring about what we're going through, but that is not true. Father, you dearly love us and you want to call us your children. And Lord, we pray that you would open up hearts this morning, receive what you have for us, and we pray that your spirit would speak to me. We admit that we can do nothing aside from you here at the awakening without you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Now, uh, the, the tension point is here. When you look at families today, the first thing you think about is the struggle, like what I said before. And what, what I would like to do before we get into God's word is I want to let the teachings of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he talk about the Beatitudes, where he would say, blessed are these types of people, blessed are these types of people. We're going to talk about several instances where people are being blessed if they follow the teachings of Jesus and if they invite them, invite God, and if they apply them to their homes, they will be blessed as a family. Now, you may be single, you may be a single parent, you may be a college student, but I would tell you that this message applies as much to you as to the families that I'm speaking to this morning, because if I would have learned some of these things before I got a family, it would have been all the better. So just dive in, pay attention. God got something for you this morning. Now, let me uh, go over what this series is going to look like. Um, where we're going with this. Next week, we're going to be talking about blessed are the pure in heart, the pure in heart, because oftentimes in a family unit, we're tempted to take the easy route. It's easier just to give up on the spouse, or it's easier just to not care and disengage with your kid because it's just too complicated, too messy, and it's just too easy to turn to other things to make that family feel whole or together. But we're going to talk about that. Blessed are the pure in heart. And at the third week, we're going to talk about blessed are the peacemakers, the peacemakers. Uh, like I said, in my family, I was not the peacemaker. I was the drama maker, okay? We're going to talk about how it's so important to be the peacemaker in the family unit. And then the final week, we're going to talk about the blessed are the persecuted because when you live as a family, a Christ-centered walk, you'll have other people talking trash, saying, oh, well, why do you not let them watch that movie? Or why do you let them do this? And, and, and I, we're going to talk about that because sometimes it's not easy to be a, a Christ-centered family unit without people uh, dissing that. Now, now, what are you filling? What are you filling your life with as a family? What are you filling your life with. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning because oftentimes we fill our family units with the wrong types of thing. We fill, instead of filling our family with God, we fill it with other things, something else. And I'd, got, I'd like to admit to you right now that my family is far from perfect. It's far from perfect. In fact, when Katyulani or Lele have a meltdown in public or around other families, there's like a sigh of relief, like, oh, shoo, 
Pastor Stephen's family isn't perfect, okay? They're human too, right? They're not some robots, okay? And I will admit that. Our family has our own issues, our own drama. And, you know, the thing is, I'm preaching to you this morning, but I'm also preaching to me this morning because there's things that were in my life where I'm putting other things before God and it needs to be put back in alignment. Um, and now we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 5. These are where these Beatitudes are found. And by the way, uh, if you don't have a Bible, no worries. We got you covered. There's free Awakening Bibles in the back. You just raise your hand or take one after service. Or if you have a friend that just is far from God and needs an Awakening Bible, you know, go ahead and give it to them. It's an NLT version. And by the way, too, in your, in your pocket, you have God's Word as well. On our app, there is the scripture that you can literally, while you're driving, it'll play to you. It'll read itself to you. Uh, there's the messages online there as well. So you're just needing a word of encouragement from Maui uh, and uh, from Pastor Stephen. No matter where you're at, you can listen in and tune in. Um, also, you can give on there too. There's all kinds of really cool things. But we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. And this is the theme verse for today. And this is what it says. Maybe we all read this out loud together. Can we do that? Is that cool with you? All right, here we go. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, filled. So many of our homes are not filled with what really matters, what really matters. Usually, we're filling it with other things, but most families, we're searching. We're searching for that thing that really matters. Oftentimes, you'll see people on their cars, their family, and you see all the stickers of the mom and dad and the kids, right? And then they'll have like a Pono sticker. You know what that means in Hawaiian? It means righteousness. You know, so often people here in Hawaii are looking for righteousness, but oftentimes we fill it with the wrong types of things, but we're searching. Uh, and then we, we oftentimes we will find that what we're really filling our family with doesn't really matter when we hold it up against who God is and what he wants for our home, for our family. So I have a question for you this morning. It's really important. In your home, right now, what, are your, what is your family hungering for? What is your family right now hungering for? Now, some of you, you know, you're right on target. You're, you're coming regularly to church, you're giving, you're serving, you're, you're spending time with your family, you're taking Sabbath, you're doing all the right things, and that's commendable. But again, our relationship with God is not about how good we are with things, because every one of us have our, have our weaknesses. But some of us are on point in this area, but we always can grow. Others of us, other of us, we say that we've got our family together. For example, I go to door, I was going door to door uh, this whole week, just knocking on doors with my neighbors. I, I've never met all my neighbors, really cool. And I was just inviting them to our, our service, and, and uh, it's just, some people like doing that. Others are like, I'm introvert, I don't want anything to do with that, no door knocking, and that's cool, I get it. Um, but it's more, I get energized by doing that, because when I meet someone, I can talk to them, I get like encouraged, oh, I met somebody new, I invited them to church. And you know what I would do with every single one of them? As I'd say, is there anything I could pray for your family for? And you would either have one or two reactions. Half would say, yes, pray for this. Or somebody's sick in our family. Pray over home. Pray for protection. Pray for finances. Whatever. But the other half would say, eh, we're good. 
when you, they're looking at me sideways, and I can tell they're holding on to what's really going on. They're holding on to, and, but it was really cool, the other half that I was praying for, man, it was just opened up, uh, people just really opened up to just prayer and God, and, and it was really cool. But others just held on. And I would, I would ask you, like, if you were in here today, kind of like those people at the door who said, everything's good, if I take your ki- children aside, you know, honest children are, right? And I ask them, how's your family doing, right? What would they say? I'm actually scared if you got Kayulani up here. What would she say? I'm nervous, okay? Um, but really, over the last seven days, what have you been feeling your family for, especially men who are the head of the household, okay? You're held responsible for where your, your family is at and, and, and wives as well. Everybody has a part in it. Uh, but I would, I would say this. If we asked your kids, would you say you're filling your family full of comfort? Like, oh, I got my job security. We've got our health benefits. We've got a life insurance. We're worried about these things. Comfort. Oh, I got my lazy boy. I got my house. You know, all these things. Are you worried about comfort, filling your family with comfort or God? Are you, how about fun? I mean, who loves to have fun? I, I love to have fun, right? But what if that is becoming the priority of a family? Oh, we're going to go to, we're going to have camping every weekend. And oh, yeah, church, maybe Christmas, maybe Easter. Okay, so we have fun. It's about fun. Um, or maybe it's about image. Maybe this week we've been standing way too much time in front of the mirror. We've been taking way too many selfies and posting them on Facebook, okay? We're worried about image or popularity. It's how many likes can we get on our selfie? Oh, I got 200 likes. I'm popular. I'm cool. I mean, I'm filling our family up with pictures all over Facebook, okay? What if it's about winning for your family? We've got to win. We've got to be winning, okay? We've got to have a nice car. Look at the neighbors. Oh, they don't have my toys. They don't have my stuff. We're winning. It's obvious we're winning. In fact, I'll have the license plate that's custom and I'll put it in the back of my new ride that says winning, okay? Uh, maybe that's what you're filling your life for. Maybe it's being the best. Oh, I got to be the best person at work. I got to be the best looking family. I got to have compliments at the restaurant about how together my family is because we're the best. What is it that we're filling? Are we searching and filling our families full of things that are being placed as a priority over God? Now, I'm not saying any of these things are necessarily bad, I'm just saying sometimes as families, we can put the priority over the stuff, over, over God. Now, what do we do when we realize that we're filling our lives as a family with the wrong types of things? Well, what do we do? Well, we need to change our appetite. Change our appetite. I will be the first to admit, how many of you guys love bread? I, uh, I have a, a lust for bread and pizza and carbohydrate, like like biscuits, buns, rolls, pastries, you name it, pizza, oh my, cazones, whatever you want to call them, I love me some bread. And recently, I have been removing bread from my diet, and it's hard, and over time, I've been able to do that. I've been kind of skimping a little lately, uh, indulging a little lately, Um, but I've been removing bread from my diet, and it's interesting that as I got further and further away from having that as a steady consumption part of my diet, I, I started fiending for it less. I started, it became less of a thing that, that I desired. It was like, oh, bread, okay, cool. You know, and I ate more, 
of fruits and vegetables and like chicken and fish and things like that and less bread. My wife's been helping me with that lately. Uh, but it's interesting, I'm, I'm craving it a lot less. And then when I splurge and I get like a Papa John's pizza and I eat, and I eat the whole thing and I feel immediately regret. But here's the thing. It, in the same way, this applies to our spiritual walk as well. When we start filling our lives full of God, we start to realize that the, the stuff, that the phony food, it, 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 we start craving it less, the junk food. And, and we start realizing that I want more of God. I want more of God. And then when we go back, like for example, when I came to Christ, I was very young in my faith, and I immediately, like within a year of coming to Christ, I was really on fire, I kind of backtracked and fell back into some of my old lifestyle because I went back to my hometown and you know where your hometown is, that's where the old sin is, that's where the old temptation is, that's where the old girlfriend is, you know, it's there. And when I went back and tasted the old way of living, it just didn't have its flavor anymore. I've been ruined for Christ. That's what happens when you invite God into your life, the other stuff just gets ruined because you taste what's real and authentic and that's what God does, especially in your family. You'll hunger and thirst for God. Now, in filling your life with the right things, what doesn't work? What doesn't work? Well, I'll tell you two things right off the bat. Legalism doesn't work. Legalistic Christianity. And also lukewarm Christianity. Those two things do not work when you're trying to fill your family with what matters. Legalism, for example, is all the rules, right? Don't drink, don't smoke, don't dance, don't do any of these things. And you have... Um, you have certain religions that are all about doing the right thing. And if you do not do the right thing, the rules, then you will go to hell. You will go to burn. You will be reincarnated as a snake or a toad, you know, because you were bad. And it, this is what some of the world's religions believe in. Um, and so legalism comes in. And, and here, let, let me tell you something about legalism because it's disgusting, by the way, to anybody who's actually seeking for something seeking for God, and they see a legalistic Christian or legalistic, you name it, they're like, uh-uh, I do not want any of that because if we're real with ourselves, we know that our lives aren't perfect and there's no way we could ever be good enough to get into heaven. When the, the scale is weighed before God, the good and the bad, we, we know that, you know, the, the bad's probably going to outweigh the good if we're really honest with ourselves. And the Bible says that no, it's not by works that you're saved, but by grace. And so, anyway, but legalism, it doesn't work. And write this down. This is important. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. That's why I rebelled when I was growing up, because at the church, it was all about rules, obeying the rules, obeying the rules. And so what happened is because I didn't have a relationship with God, I didn't want to follow Him and obey Him because I loved Him, it became rebellion. So I started Making the pastor yell at me, making the youth pastor cry, stealing guitars from the church, you know, distract, uh, you know, kicking and screaming on the way there. I, you know, rebelled in every way possible when I was a child because it was no relationship with God, and that's the problem with legalism. A lukewarm Christianity, for example, this is when you believe in God but live as though God doesn't exist. Right? You believe in God but it doesn't match up with your life. All right? Well, how do you know if you're lukewarm? 
How do you know? Well, um, let me just make a real example. If you're out in the parking lot screaming at each other, cursing up a storm, beating your wife outside of the church, and then coming in and saying, oh, God bless you, Pastor Stephen, you might be living a lukewarm walk, right? You're smacking your kid in the car on the way to church and then coming in, God bless you. Maybe it's, it's lukewarm. Maybe, let me ask you this. When was the last time you prayed with your family? When was the last time you prayed as a family? When was the last time you walked out of a movie with your kids because it was inappropriate? I don't know how many times that I reached the threshold of my, even as a pastor, I mean, I don't walk out of too many movies because I can usually handle quite a bit. But when I see a movie that's pushing that threshold and then there are kids at that movie, there are infants at that movie, I am shocked. I'm shocked. I see it all the time. Maybe when was the last time you shared a Bible verse with your family and said, hey, this, this Bible verse, this is, this is what I really feel like God's telling me something and I want to share this with my family. Maybe when was the last time your family served someone in need or at the church or served somebody? And, and this, is not, this is not to become legalistic. This is not here to make you feel down because every one of us, including myself, can look at these things and feel conviction and say, maybe I'm not measuring up. But you know what Jesus said? He said, you're either hot or you're cold. I'd rather you be hot than, or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I'm going to hurl you out. Literally, Ugh. I'm going to spit you out. God wants us hot or cold. And you maybe feel like, man, this is impossible. I, I, how do I get to being from lukewarm to hot. I want to be hot, but it's so hard. It's like a daily battle. Everything in this world is like pushing against me. The current is pushing me against me from becoming hot. So I feel like I'm not even lukewarm. I might even be cold this morning, sitting in this service, feeling cold. But I'm here to encourage you, and I'm going to tell you this morning what does work. What, how can you fill your, your life with what matters? And this is the big idea. So if you could write it down this morning, is this, we are not just a Christian family as a church or individual families here, we're not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home, a Christ-centered home. God is in the middle. Because you know what? 80% of Americans call themselves Christian. 80%. But if you would go talk to their kids and ask them how they're living during the week, they would, probably wouldn't match up with what being Christ-centered is. That's why we have over half of Christians getting divorces. It doesn't make sense. You have God. Why would you be divorced? You know that the statistic that really makes that clear is that couples who pray together on a daily basis have less than a 1% chance of divorce. Did you know that? So that means when you're actually practicing your walk with Christ, when you're making him the center of your marriage, it's good. But 80% of Americans call themselves Christian. I don't think we would have a nation full of Miley Cyrus and boarded babies and, and pornography, largest pornography industry in the world pumping out of Los Angeles. We wouldn't have these things if we were 80% Christian nation. We just wouldn't. It doesn't match up. So, you can call yourself a duck, right? We can even waddle like a duck. We can quack like a duck, quack, quack, quack. But if you can't lay an egg, 
<laughs> you're not a duck, right? So calling ourselves Christians, and that's not the thing. A lot of Christians are fair weather. As long as everything's going well at the church, and as long as I'm not running into that person I don't like, as long as things are going well, we'll stick around. But as soon as there's a hiccup or there's a problem, I'm out of here. The pastor said something that I didn't like this morning or that person I don't like showed up and they gave me that look and, or oh, I don't like the smell or whatever. You know, you name it and then we just walk away. But scripture doesn't say blessed who believe in Christ when it's convenient. He doesn't say that. He said blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's how King David felt. When he said in Psalm 63, verse 1, he says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in dry and parched land where there is no water. David hungered and thirsted. Now, was David perfect? No. David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was every sin under the book you can name but he still had a hunger and thirst for God. He knew that he was incomplete. He was empty. He was dry and broken. And without God, he would not be whole. He would not be filled. And so he would hunger and thirst after him. Let's look at this same verse in the perspective of family, for example. Let's take a look, right? I'm going to pull it up. We're going to steveify, Pastor steveify this verse to make it look like an apply for family. Psalm chapter 63, verse 1. You, God, are our God. Earnestly, we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. What if we apply that to our family? This language that you see here in this verse is not convenience. It's not being filled with the wrong types of things. It's not, you know, posting that you got the highest score on Temple Run to Facebook and bragging about it. It's God. It's hungering and thirst after God. By the way, that was me. <laughs> that example was me. Temple Run, you guys know what that is, right? The video game where you tilt your, your phone and it runs and jump over barriers and there's coins. You never, no, never. Temple Run, download I, iPhone. It's so fun. You'll be, you'll be hours of your life to, will be wasted because Pastor Stephen told you to download Temple Run on your phone. Okay, it's free. Um, uh, it's not convenience. It's not filling things with don't, ma- with don't matter, like how many Instagram followers you have and how many likes you got, but it's filling yourself with God. It's not, oh, what a nice car you have to drive. It's filling yourself with God. You have to have Christ-centered hunger that isn't shallow. Yet, that's how we live, and we're wondering why we're empty. We're, we're wondering why we feel like we're empty after we spend all our time doing the things that we think ought to fill ourselves we wind up feeling empty, like there's a hole in the bucket, and the more you pour in, it just falls out. But when we fill it with the right things, it sticks, it fills. It's a living water that bubbles up inside of us and, and, and moistens that parched ground. It's, it's that bread of life that makes us feel full. Jesus even said, my food and drink are not of this world it's by doing the will of the Father that I get filled. That's what Jesus said. Now, so, again, what does work? We're, just, we're not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home. And then the second thing is, is help your family see God as loving, approachable, and involved 
because many times, again, we have the idea of what our dad was, and we apply it kind of sticks subconsciously like the Freudian thing. It sticks on who we view God as, as our heavenly father. So we need our family to understand how loving and approachable God is and involve our kids into every opportunity I get to talk about God with my girls. Like, oh, oh, daddy, you got a boo-boo. You got a boo-boo. Yeah, yeah, sweetie. See, but God's going to heal it. Oh, God's going to heal it? And the next time, guess what? I go, oh, daddy, you got a boo-boo. Let's pray. Let's pray that God will heal your boo-boo. And, and so I'm like, I love this. It's really cool because I, I just, and I talk about how God, much God loves you. God loves you so much, Katyulani. God loves you so much, Alele. We talk about it in every way. We, oh, daddy, look at the mountain. It's so pretty. Oh, yeah, God made that mountain so that we can look at its beauty and enjoy. I'm like, oh, oh, and we talk about it. We, we talk about God as loving and approachable. And here's, and here's what we should do with our kids as parents. You, you should create an environment where your kids want to have discussions about God so it's not something they feel they have to do, but it's something that they want to do. You have to create a desire in their heart to want to be there, to want to talk about God. Now, if it's always in the context of God's angry with you, God's mad with you, you're, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's not what you want to do. It's not this, you have to obey the rules or you're going to hell type of thing with your kids. They shouldn't be scared into their faith with God. They ought to be loved into a relationship with Him. That's the most powerful thing. Fear and hate and anger is not, not the right fuel that you want to give to your children or anybody else, for that matter, that you're witnessing to. They want to see that you care before they care what you know. And they want to see your love and your service and, and, and your actions. Now, so we're not just a Christian family. We're Christ-centered. We have to help our family see God is loving, approachable, and involved. Now, you're saying, again, Pastor Stephen, this feels impossible. I feel like on the measurement of being righteous or pono, I am not righteous. I'm not I don't know how to apply this to my family, and it's really, really simple. It's really simple. This morning, I have three ways that you can create a hunger for God in your home. You can start to change your appetite, change the way that you consume in the spiritual realm, the bread of life, the living water. The first one is this. Write it down. Involve God in your daily conversations. Involve God in your daily conversations. So, Katyulani gets in the truck, and she's talking about the truck, we could be like, oh, isn't it great that God has blessed us with this truck? Oh, yeah. I recently almost totaled my truck playing on my phone. Shame, shame on Pastor Stephen. And you know what? My, my daughter saw the truck, and they were traumatized by it. They're like, oh, the truck. I was like, yeah, but we're going to send it to the truck doctor. We're going to send it to the truck doctor. And, and God's going to help take care of this. He's going he's gonna to provide for this truck to get better. And we took it to the, the mechanic, got fixed, and brought it back. And we're like, thank you, God, yay, for helping our truck be restored. Because ultimately, God is the one who provides everything we have, everything we need. He provides it. And God provided in that instance. Uh, okay, involve God in your daily conversations with your kids. Inject it into every 
aspect of things. So it's starting to say, the Bible says, teach a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. Uh, I know people that have, the parents have been praying for their child, um, praying for the child, reading the word to them, talking about God to them, and they were stubborn. And you know, it's like 30 years old, they rejected God, they were total jerks. And then after, after 30 years, they come to know Jesus. After 30 years, what the mom did and the dad did as a child stuck. But don't give up. So, 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 so. Involve God in your daily conversation. Second one is make church non-negotiable. It's got to be a non-negotiable. Because this is where you'll be encouraged to live a Christ-centered life. This is where you'll be, uh, your, your perspective will be elevated when you're facing an obstacle. This is where you'll be challenged to grow in your faith. This is where you're going to learn the practical steps of what it means to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Make it non-negotiable. When your boss says you've got to work on Sunday, you say, no, I don't. Legally, I have a right to my Sabbath. I have a, 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 a right to religion, the right to faith. And if you rob that from me, you can sue, the, you can sue your owner, your boss. I'm not saying go sue your boss, but you have the right to go to church on Sunday morning. They can find somebody else to work that shift. And you have the right to ask for it. Do be bold. Make it non-negotiable. Oh, but that's like, oh, I could be making more money that day. You gotta make it more non-negotiable. I'm going to church. It's so important. It's so important. And you know what? When you make that non-negotiable, you know we go we go to vacation sometimes, and um, you know it comes Sunday church, and and Kailani and Layla are going. We going to church. We going to church. No, we're going. Going to different, they're like, oh, they're, they're so bummed that they're missing church here. That is so cool because when I was growing up, I was like, ah, church, I hate it. But my girls are I'm during the middle of the week saying, is it church time yet? Isn't that cool? And I know some families who wanted to leave the church and make the church a negotiable issue, but then their kids are like, mommy, daddy, I want to go to church. And so they keep on coming because they're child, right? And these are the key years. You only have... 18 years to sow into your family before the world takes them and they tell them to not listen to God, to not make Christ the center of their lives. You have 18 years to do it. It's very short. It goes so quick. My daughter's four years old and it feels like yesterday that I was holding a brand new baby in my arms. It goes by so fast. You only have so many years. Make it non-negotiable. And so evolve your God in daily conversation. Make church non-negotiable. Number three, show how seeking and serving God is fun. If you make it out to be drudgery, like, oh, we've got to go to church, and your kids see that, it's going to rub off. If you're just like, if you're just, even in your body language, if you're like, uh, okay, let's go to church. You know what I'm saying? Kids are sponges. They pick up on it. You make it fun. Make it a, a, a game. Make a game out of it. So one of the things that I'm going to start doing uh, well, actually, we're already doing as a family is every night um, before I put my girls to bed, we have a, like, a, like a ritual list, almost like um, it's like it's, it's, it's consistent, it's always the same, and it's like we, we do it every night with, uh, with children and mom and dad all in the same room, and we break out. Uh, first of all, what do we do? First of all, we, oh yeah, we just break out the iPad. And there's an app on there called, what is it called? Uh, it's the U version 
a, a Bible for Kids app, and we bust that out, and it's like clockwork. Well, first of all, I, my girls hide in the closet, and, and mommy's hiding in there with them, and I go, I'm looking for you, and I start banging on things. Where are my kids? And Alela starts barking like a dog. And I go, oh, I hear, I hear my kids. I smell my girls. Where are they? You know, and I found them. They tickle them. They scream, and then they jump pile in bed. Alela is right here on my arm. Kailani, right next to me. I get the app. We read a Bible story. After the Bible story, and, they, and it's interactive too. It's really cool, like a cartoon that moves and talks, and it's really fun. And, and then right after that, we pray. We just we pray, and then they jump in the prayer. And and I sometimes I like to just get through the prayer, but when they start talking and I start including them, oh pray, pray for auntie. Oh pray for uncle. Right? Uh, and believe it or not. You've been prayed for by my daughters because they mention everybody here at the church. Oh, pray for Auntie Soto. Auntie Soto. Yeah, you've been prayed for by the Fussell family almost at least one time. Uh, and so we sit there and we pray. And then afterwards, we all put our hands in and we say, Jesus. And then we put our hands and say, Amen. And we even do, I didn't good appetite. It's like we do all these things. Uh, and, and then um, we do hugs and kisses and mom sings them some goodnight songs. But we do this. And we do it and it's fun. We include it in a part of our lives. And it's fun. Church, include it in our life, and it's fun. It's so important. You might even want to make a prayer time with your family. If you have older kids, maybe make like a popcorn prayer time where you bake, make popcorn, you eat popcorn before prayer. Even while you're praying, you pop some popcorn in your mouth and pray with a mouthful of popcorn, and you eat popcorn afterwards, right? You can make a fun thing out of it. And so it's entertaining. It's a good time. So... You can come up with something probably more clever than that, but that's an idea. So I'm going to close with this. I'm going to have the band come up, uh, head on up right now. But Here's what I would say out of this whole message. And you can write this down. I think it's super important. Um, you know, when, when we're filling our families with right things, we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We're filling ourselves with a bread of life and a living water. You don't have to tell your kids to be good. You be good. You be good. You don't have to tell them to be good when you're pursuing the one who is good. When you're pursuing God and you're hungering and thirsting after him, and you're filling your family with that. You don't have to tell them to be good because you'll be pursuing the one who is good. And it'll be a natural byproduct of you pursuing him and hungering and thirsting after Christ in your life. Amen? Now, you see, maybe you say it's unattainable or out of reach. You may say, oh man, this is impossible. It's hard. It's difficult. But you can have it if you pursue God. It's as simple as that. When you pursue God, the more and more easy it gets. Men, lead your, your houses. Incorporate these things. Involve God in your daily conversations. Make church non-negotiable. Show how seeking and serving God is fun. And do these things, and it'll all work together. Psalm chapter 37, verse 4 says, Then choose for yourself this day who you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord. Again, we're not a Christian family. We're a Christ-centered family. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. 
It's not going to mean that everything's going to be in order. But seek first his kingdom and everything else will fall into place. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for what we're learning about family. And um, Lord, sometimes it can be discouraging because we don't have it together. We don't have the perfect family. Uh, and Lord, in th- this morning, if we're in here and we're feeling a little discouraged, we're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, Maybe it's been a little bit too much about me or I. And you want it to be more about Ohana, about seeking first God in our family. Seeking Pono, righteousness. And we've been falling short. And if you're here this morning, if you're being really transparent with yourself, and you're in here this morning saying, man, I've been falling short with my family, filling it with the wrong kind of things. Would you be courageous this morning without looking around with eyes closed, heads bowed, would you, if you're really, really real with yourself and say, man, I need some prayer in this area, would you raise your hand again? No looking around. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good, good. God bless you. I'm raising two hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Good. Lord, uh, gosh, we are so broken. We do things sometimes so backwards. And as a result, family suffers. Lord, and where we're weak, Lord, we pray you would be strong. Help us to hunger and thirst for you. Help us to fill our lives with the right type of things. Help us to inject God into every part of our lives. And as a result, that our children will pass that on to their children and their children, children. Lord, we just pray that you would give us abilities to be strong, to be bold, to seek you when that's not the popular thing in culture, to honor family when it's not popular to honor family. Lord, we, um, we recognize our weakness. We recognize our shortcomings. Forgive us of our sin in that area. Continue to pray this morning. If you are far from God this morning, you haven't given your heart to Jesus at all, you've never done that, or maybe you did a long time ago, and like Pastor Stephen did, you fell away, and you need to make your life right with him again, I'm going to show you how to say a prayer where you can invite God into your life for the first time or invite him back into your life. And it's a simple prayer. It's a prayer that you say from the bottom of your heart. And God will hear you. You just have to be real and authentic with it. Um, And we're going to pray this prayer right now. I'm going to show you how to pray. Um, But if everybody can say it out loud together, so nobody feels left out, you just repeat after me. You say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross, but you rose from the dead. You paid my penalty for my sin. But because you paid my penalty, I can be free. I can be filled with the living water, with the bread of life. Jesus, I believe you're Lord, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart, wash me clean. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name. Continue to pray with our eyes closed, heads bowed. If you said that prayer to rededicate or for the first time, would you be courageous without anybody looking around? Just raise your hand. God bless you. Good. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you.
<laughs> That's awesome. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what we're learning about family, about you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.